I've always been a team player. I've always tried to make people understand I'm not, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to take your client. I'm going to try to steal your client. I'm not, you know, that was never my MO because I knew my safety was in numbers. Like mm. I, I, and I, I feel that way with my business too today. It's, it's, it's something that I really believe in. I believe that you, you need to network and make friends. There's no, there's only, um, there's no, there's no growth when you stunt your growth by s- closing your circle. Mm-hmm. So for me, he called me and said, Hey, I want to go work with Leah. You know, can you cover me on Moesha? And I had gotten into the union at this point. I was the makeup artist on the original Friday with F. Gary Gray, and mm-hmm. my department headed that movie. So that movie brought me into the union. And so I was able to do it. And I knew, you know, Brandy coming from music and her mom, Sonia, everybody, they wanted her to have a modern music, cool kind of look, not your traditional classic television makeup artistry that had been going on for years. So mm-hmm. I was like the right person to hire. Oh my gracious. Even back in high school, Jennifer Where I want to start with this is what was the sala like for you? Like, what was the vibes? What novelas were you watching? What music did your family play? Like, who was around? Like, paint me that picture of, like, the sala vibes. Right. So I'm Mexican-American. I relate to being Chicano because I'm not first generation here. My parents were not immigrants. I was born in the United States and spoke English in my house. So I had a very mm, different, I would say, upbringing. My, both of my parents, my father was Portuguese and Irish and my mother is Mexican. And both of them being American were taught to make sure we were American. Right. You know, so unfortunately for me, my awareness of being Latina didn't start from birth. Mm. My parents moved us to a very white community, and that's where I learned I was Latina. Interesting. Yeah. And I didn't Mm. really know what that meant because I thought I was just like everybody else, you know. Um. But it's an awareness. I think that word is like, we're going to use yeah, that a lot, that's right? Because it's like, it's yeah. an awareness. When I became aware that I was different, then I was able to sit back and look at my sala and look at my mother, my grandmother, my aunts, my uncles, our traditions, our food and everything. I realized, oh, this, this isn't like everybody else, mm. you know. Everybody loved our food. Everybody wanted to come over. Everybody wanted my mom to cook. Right. You know, everybody wanted my grandma to cook. Everybody wanted, you know, all of the the Mexican benefits, let's say. But I didn't realize it was because they were different. I just thought everybody loved it. Right, right, (laughs) right, right. Yeah. 
So, but what what about like school for you? Like, what was that like? And what like who were your some of your friends? Like, what I mean, I'm sure this conversation had to come up. Like, what are you? Or oh I'm sure God. they probably looked oh. at you and said, "Hey, that has and what's been your ethnicity." Yeah, I'm sure for you too. Yeah. I mean, that has been a lifelong question that I became very good at answering. You know, people would always say, "Rian, where are you from?" Mm -hmm. where, where are you? And it was always because there was nobody else like me around, right? So mm -hmm. my parents did a really good job of separating me early on in life. Right. Um, and I think, you know, listen, my dad would always tell me, your job is to do better than we did. So I know he wanted to do better than what his experience was. So mm -hmm. for him, that meant, um, you know, having a decent, reliable job, making an income, moving your family to a safe place. You know, we lived out kind of in the country in an area that was being uh, developed at the time. It's a very um, big and developed area now called Westlake Village mm -hmm. in California. But we were literally the first house on the first street of Westlake Village. Now, if you know anything about this area, you would be like, wow, that's crazy because there's right. literally like a million people out there now. But this was like 1967, you know, I mean, it was, I was just going to kindergarten in a trailer and mm -hmm. literally the people that lived around me were all young families that were doing the same thing, only they were white. Mm -hmm. And my father, because he was part Irish, he looked white. My mother just looked like this cute, exotic little lady, right. you know, and mm -hmm. then there was me and everybody, they would look at my parents, they would look at me and then they would see us living in this area. And, and that would be the question, what are you? What are you? So I had to think about it from a very young age and I had it down. I'm Mexican, Indian, Portuguese, and Irish. <laughs> that would be what I would say. And then, yes. and then I would wait for their eyes to grow really big and be like, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that would be the mantra, Mexican, Indian, Spanish, Portuguese, and Irish. And it wasn't until I was, I would say, more of an adult that I was actually able to kind of embrace in a way how unique that was of an environment for someone like myself. Mm -hmm. There were things along the way that always made me aware 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 yeah. <laughs> that i was different but it wasn't until i was like a young adult that i really really understood the beauty and the benefits of being latina you know what's so crazy i i often get asked like what's my preparation for interviews right um and I always say the same thing. I, I always have my answer for that. But I always say I only interview up until a certain point um, just because I want to keep the conversation very organic and I want to know and learn the way my audience is learning at the same time. Um, and so I always have that rule no matter what. I'll only research up until a certain point. When I did my research on you, I couldn't stop. I could oh. not stop. Really? Because I wanted to know more and more. And like, what, like, so here, here's my key. This is my awareness about you. Okay. You have a confidence in you. 
I don't even know where I'm sure we're, we're going to get into like where that comes from and things like that. But there is a confidence is very calm, but very direct. For me, I would say you're a sharpshooter. I could be wrong, but that's like the vibes that you give me. Um, it seems like you just never stopped. It seems like you just kept going like no was not something that existed in your vocabulary at all. That's like number two. And then the third awareness and I don't know if this kind of stems maybe from your childhood or why, and we'll get into it, but the ownership part really fascinated me about you as to why you decided, hey, I'm just going to own 100% of this. I'm not going to fold in this sense. And so I'm so glad that you're sitting with me now because I just feel like, you know, when you just want to pick someone's brain and you just want to be like, I have all these questions. Brain. <laughs> I'm here to be so, picked. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much. Um, Rianne Silva, CEO of Beauty Blender. This is an honor for me. So I'm super grateful. And I really want to thank you um, for this opportunity. I guess in understanding the business, I think it's important for us to understand who in your early life kind of had this business mindset where you kind of picked things up along the way and said, okay, I can do this on my own. So where did you see business as an introduction in your life? So I would say that it was both of my parents. Okay. my But they had different, they kind of had different talents, right? So they were both hard workers. Uh, my dad was a talented car mechanic, car racer, boat racer, motocross racer, like anything with an engine, right? right. And he, um, you know, he excelled at that and, and was very meticulous about that. And so I watched him and he also taught me to be meticulous in that way too. Mm -hmm. My mother was sheer force. Like she just worked. And not because, like, I, I don't want to say not because she, you know, had to. My, my dad definitely, you know, wanted to provide for us. Although, it's so funny. Hindsight is twenty twenty now. When I hear her talk about it, she's like, "Oh, your dad, he didn't do anything. I did it. I did it all." Right, <laughs> right. right. You know? But, um, but she worked and she worked hard and she was pretty and is. She's still with us. Um, you know, innovative in the way she thought and. I think it was really just honestly the blend of the two of them that I watched and kind of just taught me how to be independent. You know, they, as my story unfolds and we'll, you know, maybe I'll talk about it more. There was a time though that like you, I, they couldn't support me. I mean, my family was not wealthy. My, my father was a mechanic. My mother was a waitress, mm -hmm. but they lived like, I never knew that we weren't rich. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Right, like, right. I felt like, hey, you know, we, right. we pretty much have everything. Um, until horses came in my life. Then I realized I wasn't rich because we couldn't have horses. Right. Um, but, <laughs> right. Um, I mean, who can? Who, who yeah. can afford horses? Um, even to this day, I'm like, how? Will I, one day I want to retire so I can have horses. I'm like, <laughs> how am I going to do that? Right. Um, 
But no, it was really both my parents. But I, you know, I would say really honestly, Ali, I would lean more towards my mom at this point. I don't want to not give my dad credit because he was there for the meticulous part of it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like very like anal, like, right, like right. everything had to be just so almost like OCD. And my mom was just kind of like, get it done. She just So she was like the powerhouse. She was the breadwinner. She and was she the was one. really creative. Okay. Yeah. Like she was, you know, she was doing interior design miracles in our house. Like, I love that. Really I love that. I mean, with no money, you know. But that's what I'm saying. Like I you would I would never know that So was your creativity from her? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And now and that that can do like there was nothing like when she puts her mind to something she's pretty stubborn right when she puts her mind to something she just she's like a bulldog she gets it done yeah and i learned that from her in many different ways i was going to ask you like what did she <laughs> what did she create that you were like oh my god like did she yeah. really just do that like literally like I think she, you know, this is, you know, obviously I'm I'm much older than you. And so there was no internet. There was no reference. There was no way to really, uh, you know, fill your life with newness like we do now, right? right? So there were magazines and maybe some TV shows. And she would look at, you know, lifestyles and pe- the way people lived. And she would literally, for example, she took a resin sculpture class when I was a kid and started making all these little resin balls and beads and like she ended up making these window coverings that just were like like floating jewels and just like she would do all these really creative wild things that you know she would make all of our clothes like she would literally I was like the best dressed kid but it was everything she made. Like she would get patterns and just show. Yeah, she would make our clothes. She would decorate our homes. And then she cooked. She was like, like I said, everybody in the neighborhood wanted to come to our house at Christmas to have enchiladas and tamales and tacos and beans and rice and chili verde and all the things that she made. And I just, you know, and, but she wasn't exclusive to just making Mexican food. Like she would then Make French food. Then she so she was superwoman. She your mom was superwoman. Yeah, she was just very um, aware and curious and interested and really, you know, I think she has such a drive to do more than what she felt she came from. You know, Mm -hmm. trying to improve where we come from, right? right? To do more. I love that. When were, I guess, your awareness, right, of you being a one of one? Because I hope you know that you are a one of one. What does that mean? A one of one to me, my definition is, and I'll just take a Jay-Z line because he's one of my favorite rappers, but there's none before you and there's none to come. Like you own this space that you're in. No one has ever done it before you. Like you, um, you are a part of evolution. And... God forbid, whatever happens, God forbid, there will never be another you, another beauty blender. There's a lot of knockoffs, but it's never. My fans. No, (laughs) No, thank you for that. Wow. You know, um, honestly, I guess I've been so busy working the last 20 years just on beauty blender. I had a whole career as a makeup artist before that. You know, the 50 years of hip hop just 
went by last week and I thought about how much of that world I contributed to as a makeup artist because I was Latina, because I was a woman of color, and because there were so many reasons. Um, we have to get into all yeah, that. Yeah, so many reasons, you know, that <laughs> yeah. I was only given the people of color jobs and not the the white actors that had budget jobs. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like there's all that. But as I look back and reflect recently, really, and I would say in the last, really the last year, Ali, I've really started to recognize some of the firsts and the things that I've done. Of course, I know Beauty Blender is a category creator. Um I had to figure out how to make it. I mean, that that's when you know there's nothing out there. You have right. to invent a way to, to make it. Um, I knew that. But um, I, I guess I just never, um, I never looked at myself that way, really? honestly. Because, yeah, because, you know, you, ha- you, you told me when we started this conversation that, you know, I have a certain confidence, but I think... I have a certain measurement mm. more than confidence. I, I believe I do have confidence, but I do believe I also have a lot of insecurities. And it's those insecurities that propel me to do the work I've done mm-hmm. and try to be the best at what I've done so that I can, at this moment in time, reflect <laughs> and go, wow, I'm a one of one. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just. It's so circular. I never really um, think about it. I feel like confidence because it takes confidence to invent something, right? It takes confidence to go from I like makeup to, okay, this is what's missing. I think it takes ignorance, honestly. It takes audacity, for it sure. Does. I think I think being naive is almost um, a benefit in some ways to the creation of something. Like I felt like because I needed this and I, you know, Beauty Blender was the first high definition makeup tool created for makeup artists to use while shooting high definition film because that's what I was hired to do and had to solve the issues of looking natural. So when I did that, I knew, my God, if this works for me, it's going to work for other makeup artists. And we're all moving in this direction. So I knew I had a passion that, you know, oh, my God, I'll be able to pay for my daughter's private school. <laughs> but if e- I but could even do before that, even before, let, let's take it like all the way back before we get there. Okay. Let's take it to, okay, you loved makeup, right? Like it's safe to say. That was like I loved fashion. Okay, you loved fashion. Mm-hmm. So then, how did you transition now into makeup? So I went to FIDM for fashion design because I loved okay. fashion, and that was my mother's vision too. Because you know okay. we were talking earlier about money management a little bit mm-hmm. and how you know your relationship with money and my relationship with money. And I told you, look, it's not that unique. Like I don't think I came right. from a family that didn't teach me how to balance a checkbook. I didn't know how to write a check. I didn't know about credit. I didn't know about college. I didn't know about any of those things because my parents knew they couldn't afford to send me and they were products of those environments. So they didn't even know how to get me there, right. you know? Right. So it was like all these things you figure out on your own. But um, so I think experience and just living your life is, you know, and being naive, like I said, gives you the passion. Once you 
find or recognize the one thing that you think, I can do this and mm-hmm. I can get this done and I know how to do it, th- you, you, the rest of the job is just convincing people to get on the train with you. <laughs> you know, so that mm-hmm. that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And because I had a certain background that was unique, mm-hmm. I was able to convince people to at least take a chance. Right. But, okay, so now let's break this down. I have to break this down. So you go to school for fashion. Mm. What do you find out there in terms of like, because there, there is a transition mm-hmm. that's happening. So while you're in school, what is that like? Where did that awareness come from of like, okay, now I want to do this? Like, break that down for me, that period that you were in school. So I was a young woman of maybe 17 years old, Mm -hmm. living in downtown Los Angeles, going to FIDM, thinking I wanted to be in fashion. Quickly realized that the business of fashion, I was not going to be good at. I'm not good at mathematics not good at pattern making and grading. (laughs) Right. And, uh, you know, at the time, I should say, at that time, I didn't feel confident that those were my talents, right? But what I was good at was drawing and Mm. illustration. And I had a flair for art and I could look at something and translate it through sketching or any of mediums there. So I I quickly went from fashion design to fashion illustration. And because I needed to work, I got a job at a local department store at the time that's no longer in existence called Robinson's. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, entry level position, they hired me to be a perfume model where you literally, I looked... I guess they like the way I looked, so yeah. they put you in some clothes and you walk around and you spray people and you promote the fragrance right. of that month or that week. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, wow, this is really not a good way to meet people because nobody wants you to spray no. them with perfume. Absolutely. Nobody. They just like, they don't even, they won't make eye contact. They just walk by you and, you know, whatever. The kind of weird guys, they'll look at you and kind of like, they're kind of weird, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. Um, they'll look at you in a weird way. Right. Um, but yeah, but I, I quickly became friends with the girls in the cosmetic department, you know, and they looked like they had really great jobs. And I'm like, I can do makeup. I can do, I could do what they're doing to someone that comes to the counter. And, mm-hmm. you know, but again, being naive, ignorance is bliss sometimes. I didn't know the back end of that retail environment, like the selling and all of the stuff that had to happen in order to be successful in that position. So I quickly did learn, and that was my transition into makeup. And then living in Los Angeles, being a student, you know, meeting all kinds of people in the entertainment industry, just simply because you're in LA, going to clubs and meeting, you know, with your, your... school friends and whatever, I ended up meeting a couple actual professional makeup artists that did film and television. And they were the ones that introduced me to this possibility of not just working retail, but actually working on a set and working with actors. And I thought that was a lot more interesting and really fun, you know. So that's pretty much how my awareness from, you know, uh, using makeup as just a way to 
feed myself literally mm -hmm. to looking at this as a career. Like there's a path here that I find really interesting. And, you know, there's great benefits. If you're a makeup artist that works on film and television, eventually you get invited to be in our union where mm -hmm. you get benefits, you get insurance and retirement, and there's people that protect you and make sure you're not taken advantage of and right. like all these things, right? So that was my that was my goal. That was my path. What was the first set that you worked on? The first set I worked on, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I work. <laughs> yeah, no, it's oh it's God, no, it's amazing. It's amazing because the people just don't even. I mean, like, it just doesn't exist. It was like that glam rock kind mm. of like. I think I did an album cover with with some glam rock band that had hair like five feet high, and they yeah. were like eyeliner and lipstick, glam rock. You know, it was it, and it was so. So far out of anything that I knew, but somehow I was able to like pull it out and make it happen. And, you know, I don't even remember the name of the band, but that was the first thing. And then, you know, my, my social life, I will say, you know, I met a lot of people that were willing to take a chance on me. And I met some photographers along the way, some, you know, different managers, PR people that I'm sure they looked at me and said, well, at the bare minimum, I won't have to pay her very much. Right. And she'll get the job done as opposed to having to pay someone with a lot of background and mm -hmm. reputation and resume. You know, so I was able to really take advantage of um, understanding that. Mm -hmm. So I made sure that, uh, you know, my talent, my art, my skill was going to be a benefit to them. Like, you don't have to pay me as much. But I knew I was building my resume. Right. So my resume, even though I wasn't getting paid a lot, I was mm -hmm. building a resume. And that resume was going to get me paid eventually. Were you still doing both? Like, were you still doing perfume as well as being on set? Or did you eventually just leave that one and say, okay, I'm going to do set full time? Yeah, no, I ended up just doing cosmetics. Okay. But not for very long. Not for very long. I mean, uh, I... I actually had a whole other left turn in my life that happened, really? and I didn't get back to makeup for a couple years. Can you speak yeah. about that? Yeah, I fell in love, you know? Yeah, I met a guy, and mm -hmm. actually I met a couple guys, if I have to be honest. Right. I met uh, one guy uh, that was from another country and um, really wealthy, young. He was young like me that just, like, I traveled around Europe and had a great like odyssey amazing time realized that it wasn't really going to be real for me like okay I, I was never going to be mrs whoever that is or right. that wasn't going to be my lifestyle right this is when you realize oh i'm latina that's when you caught that awareness this is when you're like the awareness right like i'm latina and yeah. i need to come back to america and right. you know like i need to figure out what the hell i'm gonna do um so, right. you know, a little uh, distraction there. And then when I came back, I actually met my daughter Erica's father, mm -hmm. and he was in the NFL. He was playing football. And I really, then I thought I was going to be like an NFL wife. And just, you know, I didn't, like, I didn't think about makeup. I was great at makeup. I 
I looked really great. Right. Um, and I could do all my friends when we'd go out. We would, you know, we would all like do each other's makeup and get yeah. ready. You know, oh my mm-hmm. God, we used to go out at like midnight. Like I'm in bed at nine yes. now. Like I think about oh that. I'm like, God. oh my God. I, I would just be going out right now. I know. That's, that's um, literally my life. Yeah. I feel like I'm such a bore because I go I, to sleep early all the time. I just, anyway, I just think it was the age and the time. But, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And then um, that relationship, you know, again, left turn. It didn't pan out the way I planned it. You know, life is full of like um, awarenesses. Uh, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. A lot of lot of turns and new awarenesses. But let me sure. ask you: Do you feel like you couldn't have both? Like, do you feel like you like you couldn't be in love and pursue this career? Like, or or was it something where you was just like, I just want to be? In so love. there was the the first relationship. No, okay, no, that w- that wouldn't have happened. Okay. Um, with my daughter's father, yeah, sure, but um, I was—I think I was traumatized from the first relationship right. going into that relationship, and kind of like I wasn't really—I wasn't really sure what I was going to do because uh, you know Erica came along, and mm-hmm. then I was pregnant, and you know there we're we're in a much different time now, um, you know. Being pregnant and working, I, I did work as a makeup artist while I was pregnant with her for a very long time. Uh, but it just like I just it didn't really hit me until I became single, and I was like, okay, what are you gonna do? You have a baby, you've got this guy. He's you know he's set. He's got his career, and he's you know making tons of money as an athlete. But he's mm-hmm. not trying to give it to you, right? And he's doing everything in his power not to give it to you. And mm-hmm. you know what? That's okay. I'll take what I can get, but I don't need it because I'm going to build my own career. Mm. And that's really where I begrudgingly needed to take the money from him, but I did not want it because it came with such poison. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that in my life. And so it was kind of propelled me to create and carve out a career in makeup artistry for myself. So that was the... That's when I came back to makeup. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was like the push of like Mm -hmm. saying, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Okay. So now getting back into it, what did that feel like? Did you feel like some time was lost? Maybe I'm lost here. I don't know what to do in terms of like... Because makeup, when you say makeup, it could be... There's so many jobs, right? Like you can you can freelance, you can work at you know some people just work at like Mac or Sephora or you know what I'm saying like oh, that didn't exist. Well, back then it didn't. Yeah, no, I was focused on entertainment. I okay. was in Hollywood. Okay, and it was the MTV Revolution. Mm-hmm. So music video was a very unique medium at the time that you didn't have to be in the union, but you got production experience. You got to work in film without being on a film. Okay. So, and you got a lot of creative freedom. So I did like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of video where I did a lot of like really crazy wild makeups. And then I did some really boring, like just put some lip gloss on. Yeah. You know, but how'd you get these jobs? uh, Like, was it, was it like, people referring you was it like what was were you pitching these jobs out you know 360 it was all of that it was it was people referring me it was me you know being ballsy enough and showing up at a production company with my resume and my book and my you know I had edited a little like you know little videotape of my work together you know to show them what I could do and then Mm -hmm. listen I was like I'll I'll 
I'll do it cheaper. Like I, yeah, I I'm yeah. not proud to say, but I would undercut to get the work, you know. Yeah. I and mean, then, look where it led you. Yeah, like, I yeah. would because I knew that the body of work was the important thing, right? Okay. And if I could work with the best DPs, the director of photography, the best directors, and the best talent, the best wardrobe stylists, and the best hairdressers, that just like you know, it's a team. Mm -hmm. Everybody creates the vision, and you know, the 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 better the sets, the better the work, the more money would come. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I would find word of mouth. I would go to production companies. I would meet people in LA. At this point, you know, I had met so many people being with Erica's dad and mm -hmm. meeting other people. My other relationship, I met many people from around the world that would come to LA and just, it was just, I can't even tell you. Like, it was just networking. I would just meet a lot of people. I don't know. I you know, looking. the reason why I ask is because so many people feel like what they're lacking is the access. Like, how do I get in? Right? Like, for me, I I had access at a very young age because I was going to nightclubs. And, the, and, and I was working that industry. I was actually working the doors of the nightclubs. And I was meeting the nightclubs I was working was like, the best hip hop party that we're talking about and Kiss and Fly and Greenhouse and all these whip, they were like these big industry events. Same, That's same. where I met a lot of my connects that then provided me the access. So once I knew in my it's mind- It's such a benefit to be a woman too. I just it, have it to is, say. It is, I think there's a men's network, 100%, but I think women, if you're smart, you can utilize these contacts in ways that, a bro can't. You're you know right. what I mean? Like, and, right I, that. and that's the same thing that happened to me. I met all kinds of different people, but it's really convincing them to take a chance on you. Right. You know, because right. it's it's not just like a kiss and tell, right? Like right. you actually have to produce. You have oh, to absolutely. you have to be good. If you're a makeup right. artist and they're spending sometimes hundreds and thousands hundreds of thousands. I did million dollar videos. Like, you know, they're they're spending tons of money on you. You you better know what you you're doing. You better know your yeah. At that point, because could yeah. you imagine someone refers you and then like the work is like not good? Oh, I, 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 it's happened to me where I've brought people on my team because I'm getting a referral and the job and they're oh, not no. good. So then I'm having to double work, right? Right. So, yeah, no. So it's very important. Let's talk about, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm trying to like, because I know your time is limited as well. So I'm trying, and you have like so much like cool shit going on. So <laughs> um, let's talk about the set of girlfriends. Mm. How did you get there? Mm. That's why, I guess that's why I framed the question of like the access. Cause I'm just trying to figure out like, well, how'd she get there? Like that's such Brandy. a- Brandy. Nice. Brandy, Brandy Norwood. Okay. Yeah. So, and really it was my, my friend, Christopher, rest in peace. He passed away in Aaliyah's plane that went wow. down. But Chris was doing Brandy, mm -hmm. and you know I was like the queen of music videos at the time, and he had just done Brandy for Cinderella, mm -hmm. and you know here's the thing when you when you work with uh, anybody, whether it's a celebrity or just anybody, mm -hmm. over a long period of time, sometimes you just need like a little break, right? Mm -hmm. Chris had the opportunity to work with Aaliyah, and. He needed to entrust Brandy with someone that he knew he could come back 
the brandy with, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always been a team player. I've always tried to make people understand I'm not, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to take your client. I'm going to try to steal your client. I'm not, you know, that was never my MO because I knew my safety was in numbers. Like mm-hmm. I, I, and I, I feel that way with my business too today. It's, it's, it's something that I really believe in. I believe that you, you need to network and make friends. There's no, there's only, um, there's no, there's no growth when you stunt your growth by s- closing your circle. Mm-hmm. So for me, he called me and said, Hey, I want to go work with Leah. You know, can you cover me on Moesha? And I had gotten into the union at this point. I was the makeup artist on the original Friday with F. Gary Gray, and mm-hmm. I department headed that movie. So that movie brought me into the union. And so I was able to do it. And I knew, you know, Brandy coming from music and her mom, Sonia, everybody, they wanted her to have a modern music, cool kind of look, not your traditional classic television makeup artistry that had been going on for years. So mm-hmm. I was like the right person to hire. There was... A writer and a producer on that show named Mara Akil Brock. Mm-hmm. And when I went to work on Moesha for years and years, um, Chris ended up passing away. He ended up working with Aaliyah, and I ended up staying with with Brandy because right. he was gone. Right. Um, and Mara ended up getting um, a production deal with Kelsey Grammer, and that's that was Girlfriends. That was her show. And so I wasn't the original makeup artist on Girlfriends. A friend of mine was. And Mm -hmm. she, I was then working still with Brandy. Mm -hmm. And um, my friend who got the job on Girlfriends, because you make friends, right? Right. So all your friends are working. Mm -hmm. Um, When she got pregnant, she couldn't continue working because she was going to have the baby, right? I mean, she worked until she was very pregnant. So I took over from her then. Mm-hmm. And I just stayed on because she she didn't want to come back. She stayed, you know, with her child for the next season or whatever, and then she moved on to another show. But that's how I got the job on Girlfriends. And Girlfriends at the time was a really unique project because um, it was the first show being shot in high-definition video and being mm-hmm. broadcast that way too. So... I always tell the story because I think it's really true. Like ABC, CBS, NBC, they weren't going to take the chance on high definition. It was kind of like, let me do it on the black show. Right. Let's, let's try it on the black show. Right, or right. You know, let's try it on, on these other kind yeah. of programs that may not last too long yeah, anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, Laugh on everybody because mm-hmm. like it's not only has girlfriends still, it's still out there. It just, ha- it just keeps like... Yeah. reincarnating itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but high, defi- high definition became the way for everybody, you know, whether it was your camera, your TV, your f- filming movies, you know, everything. So that's, you know, when you asked me about Beauty Blender, I knew that this was the direction that production was going in. And I knew that there was a type of makeup artistry that my television brothers and sisters had been doing for a long time and that needed to change Mm -hmm. but we're all creatures of habit and Mm -hmm. when you're under pressure like when you're under pressure to deliver a look on a network show and you have producers and writers and directors and PR people and managers and all these people looking at your work saying "Mm, 
she doesn't look great. I don't know. She could look different. Or mm-hmm. what did you do different? This time? Like Beauty Blender was a way to kind of democratize that makeup application. Everybody, as long as you could bounce the sponge on your face with makeup, the makeup all looked the mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, if I could just get other makeup artists to understand that it works, mm-hmm. I'm golden. And so that's was my goal to just get it in the hands of other makeup artists. And that's how it all happened on Girlfriends. That's how it happened. Has it ever occurred to you, and I'm just asking because I'm listening to the journey, how how much of timing, like the concept of time, because I, I feel like, yes, you had the skills. Yes, you had the, the uh, determination. But you were also like, in the right place at the right sweet time. Oh my God. I was like the s- timing of, of the way everything happened really worked in your favor. Like, I don't know what deal you struck up with God, but he was definitely. God is definitely my friend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you and him are, are tight. You guys are super tight. We're real tight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we are. Tell. He likes me. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. yeah. And I like her too. Yeah. I, think she, I think she might be a girl. I don't know. Yeah. But um, no, timing, Ali, is everything. And I say everything. this all the time because people look at me sometimes and be like, how did you do this? And it was like, look at, it was a moment in time. Like, you know, we didn't have the kind of social platforms now that really isolate us in a lot of ways. We had to go out and socialize. We had to meet people. We had yeah. to learn to not be socially awkward. We had to learn how to talk to people. That's right. We had to learn to look you in the eye. We had to learn to convince you. You know, mm-hmm. we had to do these things. And then the timing of MTV and non-union versus union, getting production experience, meeting photographers, digital world coming in, high so def. I mean... Really, honestly, and then being in California, I mean, I would love to sit here and just, you know, sit here and listen to you praise me and say, oh, you're so smart. You did these things. It's so amazing. I want to pick your brain. But literally, you hit the nail on the head. I was so lucky. And it was timing. And I just seized the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, being able, I think my talent is, is being able to recognize where I'm at when I'm there and what I need to do to maximize whatever that is I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's what I do. I'm also really clear about the things I don't know and I'm not good at, and then I find people that are good at those things to help me. So good. There's so much I want to unpack here. Um, so you're on the set of Girlfriends, and you decide I'm just going to cut up these sponges. Yeah. Like what, like, so let me, let's back that up. Let's let's back up for a second. So, um, in, in beauty, right. And in filmmaking, you have hairdressers and you have makeup artists. Right. Now the makeup artists were always the men and the hairdressers were always the women. Mm. And that's why the makeup artists made more than the women. Just a little fact. Okay. It's changed now, but that it took years for us to change that because makeup artists would make more than hairdressers because they were always men. Okay. Men's hands are, for the most part, bigger than women's hands, right? Right. And when you do makeup, so men, so Max Factor specifically was the first uh, makeup artist to use a sponge like... Uh, 
a deliberate sponge to apply makeup, and it was a pancake water-activated makeup. It was like a dry powder that you would use a wet sponge, and then you would and then put on the face. It. Okay. So that was kind of like how sponges became a tool. Okay. And they were always cut. It wasn't until much later that they became manufactured and they were cut into little wedges, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about a wedge, you think about, think about like pouring foam into like a cylinder, mm -hmm. okay? Then turn that cylinder on the side and slice it like bread. Mm -hmm. Then you've got mm -hmm. like pizza slices. And then if you cut them like a pizza, then you have wedges, right? right. It's the cheapest way to provide a tool that was never designed to put makeup on your face, right? right. right? So I would, I would sit there on the set <clears throat> and play with the sponges. Now, like, and I think it's really important and fair for me to say, I didn't create the makeup sponge, right? Mm -hmm. What I created was a way to mimic an airbrush application of makeup. So when you talk about high definition and back in the day and the timing of it all, somebody somewhere, I don't know who it was, but somebody told the producer, director, writer, manager, publicist, agent, everybody over there at Paramount yes. at Girlfriends. The only way to do this makeup and make it look natural for these four beautiful black women that we want them, we want them to look natural. We don't want them to look like they're wearing makeup, but we know they have to wear makeup. Right. We need to airbrush them. Like, you know, it was like, you know, from the top down, they decided they needed to find somebody that knew how to airbrush. You were the that one. was me. Yeah. I was one of the only airbrushers one that did one. beauty makeup. Yeah. There were a lot of monster makeup, effects makeup artists that mm -hmm. did a lot of airbrushing for appliance work when you do prosthetics and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But not anybody that really did beauty work. And I would take makeup and thin it out and blow it through my air my airbrusher because of music video. Right. Like all right. the that I was able to take all of that experience and like you know, ball it all up into this moment of being on Girlfriends mm -hmm. and using the same thought process. Okay, they want them to look natural and they want them to, they think they want to airbrush, but the problem is airbrushers are really loud. Yes. And when you're on set and you're rolling sound, how do you sound, man? You, you, you can't be yeah. having a compressor off set on the side of the stage at your touch-up. Like, you can't be airbrushing people. So, mm -hmm. What cutting these sponges did when you took the edges off of the sponge and you wet them, it was like airbrushing. And so, I don't know how I got into a whole tangent about that, but that's, no, I that's, love this. that's I love how it this. happened. That's, that's, so yes, we would sit on the side of the stage because as a makeup artist, you sit around yeah, like, more than you, you're, like, you, you, you do. You're, you might as well you're do. waiting for touch-ups. You're waiting right. for a scene change or makeup change or wardrobe right. change or whatever. Um, and you we would just cut sponges for the next day. And then I, you know, I, I was like, okay, on my hiatus, I need to figure out how to make these things. Cause we can't, I can't be sitting here cutting these sponges with cuticle scissors all day long. Right. I need my coffee and donuts. Like, <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you figured out that there was a need for this. Yeah. And, um, what point in your mind, you're like, Hmm, let me turn this into a business now. Let me figure this out. Like when did that click for you? Well, I was pretty um, business-minded anyway. I had um, prototypes for brush rolls. Like, I was seriously, when I tell you I did not want to take that man's money, 
I was trying to like find a way to never have to Any depend. Means necessary. I didn't never wanted to depend on a man ever. It's the worst feeling yeah. ever. And mm-hmm. it was designed to make me feel really bad. And it did. It worked. And mm. I never, you know, I just, I was very industrious. I had prior to Beauty Blender created these really beautiful, wild looking makeup rolls. I mean, makeup brush rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, I was all about the set, the kit. Like I, I was like, like when I said my dad was meticulous, that's where I became meticulous when mm. I would make my kit and the way that I would pack my kit and the way I would store my makeup and be able, like I had 57,000 everything yeah. in my kit, you know, but I mean, literally it would, I used to call it like dragging my dead body around because it'd be like <laughs> carrying yeah, so much like stuff. You had some yeah, shit so, in there. Yeah, yeah. So I would try to reduce and figure out ways to do things. So uh, the brush roll was the first thing and then beauty blender was the second thing. And, um, I just, you know, I knew I wanted to have a form of, of, <laughs> I laugh because it's, so it's so not passive. But what I thought was I wanted a form of passive income. So, 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 not passive. so it's so not passive. Yeah. But what I thought was I can make money while I'm sitting on the set making money. Right. So that was, you know, right. for me. And that was freedom because I wanted the best for my daughter. I wanted her to go to private school. I, people used to, you know, because I knew there were things that I didn't, when we talk about like our relationship with money, there were things that my parents didn't teach me right. that I wanted to make sure she knew. And I couldn't teach her because I was just still trying to figure it out myself. Mm-hmm. But I knew more money was more money and right. more money was more opportunity and more freedom. And so more is more. I was trying to make That's more. That's what I always say. Like, because, you know, money is all relative. But for me, I feel like money is access. Money is freedom. Money is freedom. Yeah. Money is it's freedom. freedom. Mm-hmm. But when you say passive and when you say, hey, I can be on to set. A point. To but, a point. But then money right? can control you too. So there's but a balance there. But that's the thing there. because yeah. if, if you're in your mind saying, well, hey, I could be on set and also have this. But then now this business is like booming, like it's doing amazing how can you then be at two places at once when you're trying to oversee the That's operations of the business? That's a good question. That's what one of my vendors asked me. Well, how are you going to still do makeup? You know, because I, w- I did makeup um, nine years into Beauty Blender. I was still on set. I remember oh I would God. show up on set and people like Sam Fine would be like, girl, what are you doing here? Why are you here? I'm like, because I'm a makeup artist. I, that's what I do. <laughs> Just roll their eyes. Um, but was it, do you feel like to a certain extent, maybe you were like, I don't know, like maybe were you like scared of like quitting that part and just going yeah. full for it? Were you? Yeah. Why? You had such a sure thing. I mean, it's a sure thing. I don't know. Are there sure things? This is a sure thing. Hmm. There's only a few sure things in life. Beauty Blender is a sure thing. Oh. Yeah, are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding do you. you. Not I don't, see I don't this? No, I don't think it's a sure thing. I think it Rian, can all do you fall not tomorrow. See everybody that has imitated what you have built, like you've seen this, right? But that's right? why it's not a sure thing. Do you see that? But there's okay. The reason why I say it's a sure thing is because although you have different variations of this, you know how they say like when you break up with someone and you're like. 
He's coming back. I know he's coming back. They always come back. <laughs> it's almost like that. It's like they're gonna come back. I mean, sure, I'm sure in that process when you first see it, you're like, okay, well, yeah, I'm not sure That's, how this is gonna go. That but. is the dream. And that is what I go with. But I spend most of my time now making sure that people remember and recognize that Beauty Blender is the original and that we did create the category that allows all these other ones to exist. But that's a big job. You know, I mean, I, I appreciate that you say it's a short thing because it lets me know I'm doing my job. Sure. But let me tell 100%. you, it's not. I mean, because nothing, and I, you know, and again, I guess it goes back to your original opening statement about confidence. You know, I... I don't know that I have confidence as much as I know what I know. And what I know is that there is no sure thing. And, you know, it's only a sure thing as long as you're willing to partake in it. So when I'm out, when I'm out of Beauty Blender, then I won't worry about it anymore. But mm -hmm. while I'm in it, I'm worrying about it all the time. Right. I'm making right. sure that it's front and center, that it's number one that it's the original, that people understand it's pink. And when you see it, and, and I do have other colors, but you know, that's the original OG mm -hmm. and people know that, you know, that is my job and that, and that I'm a makeup artist and I have an amazing complexion brand at Sephora, you know, I mean, that is my job and there is nothing sure about any of that. And your vendors and your retailers will make you understand very clearly. Oh yeah, you're great, but you're not really like, Mm. Selena, mm. you're not really like Mario. You're not really like Pat. You're not really like you know. I can go on and on because but this then is, how do you navigate this is through what that they space? Do. Well, you have to. You have to just. You have to like. You have to clear like all the noise away. Like how do you drown away. out that? Noise? You got to clear all the noise away and stay focused on what you're doing because they are there to remind you that these other things are out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, that awareness can make you insecure. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to just focus on what you're doing. And I have to always remember that I have this unique experience in my own makeup artistry background that none of them have. And that's my voice. They all have different, different, like, you know, Mario has the master class in the Kardashians. Right. You know, Pat had fashion weeks, um, Charlotte fashion weeks, mm -hmm. Selena, you know, she's a celebrity, Rihanna, mm -hmm. she's a celebrity. I mean, there's celebrity brands that do great because they hire great people and they're celebrities. They have tons of connections, right? Their, mm -hmm. their social media is ridiculous. You, you just have to know your lane, you know? And Very for true. me, Very I true. know that my experience as a makeup artist is so deep, you know? And I, I've, there is not, there's nothing that I haven't had to figure out within makeup artistry, whether it's effects, whether it's beauty, whether it's red carpet, whether it's, you know, commercials, <laughs> whether it's... Funerals, porn. I mean, it's just there's there's no there's nothing I haven't done. Yeah, and I yeah. know that. So that's you have to know what you know. That's what I'm saying. That's where I feel the confidence comes from. Yeah, but but, the but there's no sure thing though. You're right, and, and you know what? You are right. There's there is no, no sure, sure thing. thing. There's no sure thing, and there's danger in thinking that. You're you are right about that. 
But the reason why I do stand behind the confidence is because if you if your statement right now is if you know what you know and that that still stands true for you, um, you were never indecisive about it. And I think that's mm -hmm. people's downfall in mm -hmm. business. When you become indecisive, when you when you feel like, uh, can't, should I? Mm, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? And you start getting a bunch of opinions. That's when a business. That's when your motivation is in the wrong place. So what I mean by that is like when you're clear about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm then you can make clear decisions. Right, right. But if you're kind of doing it because you just want to make some money or you're kind of doing it because it's kind of trending and maybe I have an opportunity to, or maybe I just want to be famous, I maybe I just want attention, I want people to know who I am. Like right. all those things can be a part of, of why maybe you do something, but they can't be your driving force because they'll make you undecisive. Right, Because you'll... Right. But if you're very clear, like I knew Beauty Blender was a high definition tool that other makeup artists were going to need. Like I was clear on that. Right. So every decision I made about that developing Beauty Blender was with that in mind. Mm -hmm. You know, but I see people like, oh, I, I just need to have a product. I just need, you know, and then they're kind of just trying to pull things out of the air. Like, no, I was, you have to be very clear about what your intentions are. What about the intention behind still being full owner and owning a hundred percent of the business? Why not, you know, partner with investors and why not give up equity in that sense? Because I didn't know about it. Okay. You know, the relationship with money again, right? Like I'm not a business person. I don't know about investment partners and transactions and all that kind of stuff. I do now. But at the time where I could have gotten like a whole bunch of money for Beauty Blender, like say in like 17, mm -hmm. um, I was having too much fun. Like I didn't want to invite someone in. I was printing money. Like, I, right. like I, why am I going to invite someone in that's going to tell me I'm not doing a good job or try to, you know, or I didn't know. Like, you know, the, the beauty of what I know now is that you find it's like a marriage. You find the right partner for yourself. I, I have so many friends that have entered into bad marriages mm -hmm. in their business partners. And so I'm very aware of that. Um, and that, you know, that in, in part is also why, you know, I'm still 100% owner. Plus right now, I, I don't think it's a great time to be selling businesses right now. I think it's kind of like Hunger Games out there right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I will say like, you know, after 20 years, I am finally starting to understand why a person would exit, you know, and I'm not saying I'm ready for that at all, but mm -hmm. like, I couldn't even see the pinhole at the tunnel at the end of the light, like over there. Right. Like I really, you know, I was building my business. I didn't know if it was going to be a legacy business that I would leave for my family. I needed to see what my kids were going to do. Right. Like I said, I was still having fun with it. And I had so many things I wanted to do with mm -hmm. it yet, you know. So I feel like when you start bringing in partners, you're kind of plotting your exit, right? Mm. And I wasn't, I wasn't ready to exit. I absolutely love it. Um, what in all the years, you know, and the experience and the wisdom that you've gained, um, 
what would you say is the biggest truth in entrepreneurship and also the biggest lie in entrepreneurship? I would say the biggest truth is that you really are out there on your own. You know, you're, if you're a true entrepreneur, you're like on a trapeze swinging and you let go of that bar and you're trying to grab the next bar. And it's you have that moment where you're just like, okay, am I going to be able to grab that bar? Okay, got the bar. You know, yeah. that's entrepreneurship every day, you know, making those decisions that, you know, you're just trying to make the next move and the next connection. Um, and the biggest lie. The biggest lie is maybe that it gives you freedom. Like, you know, being, mm. I think a lot of people w like the word entrepreneur because to them it represents that they don't have to work for somebody. Oh, but you're working and you're working maybe not for somebody, but you're working for something. I work for a little egg-shaped sponge. Mm -hmm. She dictates everything to me. She can be a <laughs> She can be hard. Yes. She can be sweet <laughs> and cuddly, but you create your monster. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like I think the biggest lie is that, you know, you you feel like you're free. There's no, no freedom in, you know, holding the world on your shoulders it's a big job what are you most afraid of in this journey <laughs> that all of my hard labor i'll end up with nothing really yeah i still feel that way yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like it's so crazy to me it's really bizarre but it's i mean i don't like... it doesn't like it's i don't lay awake at night worrying about it but that is my biggest fear like what if you know, what if all of this work I did for all these years really meant nothing? That, that, and it's more than the money. It's like meaning nothing, you know, like right. it didn't do anything. Now, I know that, I know what I've done, okay? Right. And I'm really proud of it. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm just being real with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, these, just because you're successful doesn't mean you don't think about these things anymore. Mm -hmm. It's, that's, couldn't be f further from the truth mm -hmm. unless, you know, I don't know. I don't even know people. I, every every entrepreneur and successful person I know, still, you, you think the same way. It's just you've gotten to a different place, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I know what I've done. Beauty Blenders in the Smithsonian. I'm in the Hall of Fame of you know. I've just won my fifteenth Best of Beauty Award from Allure Magazine. I just got to, like, yesterday I got a hundred thousand Shopify shops. Like, like, oh, you know, crazy. like, it's those are all really beautiful, wonderful, you know, evidence that you've made right decisions. But one bad decision can really like I've seen one bad decision bring in people, you like in your no, company not not, oh, with, okay. not with me 
Okay. <laughs> not with me. I'm like, because I was going to ask, like, no, well, what bad no, decision? No, but I've seen, I've seen, you know, listen, social media is a beast, right? Right. You know, you post the wrong thing, cancel culture is real. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I've seen people, like, try to stand up for something and be just smacked down. Like, you have to, you have to read the room. You right. have to be able to balance. You Another know, skill set yeah. is reading the room. Yeah. Most people don't know how to. It's not a skill we've had to develop as young people these days because you're not really in many rooms mm -hmm. with other people. <laughs> you're, in, you're in virtual rooms, you right. know, where you can hide. Mm -hmm. But when you're bare naked in front of people, and I don't mean like physically, no clothes right, on, but right. I mean when you, you know, when they can read your face and your eyes and tone of your voice and, you Yeah, they know. can see right through yeah, you. Yeah, it's what, what are What are some... I guess, tips in terms of like scaling your business. How can you, how does one properly scale the business, specifically in makeup? Math. Mm. And I told you I was bad at math, right? I know. I'm like, <laughs> all the things that you've been telling me. Yeah, you would never think, right? No, no. I, um, I've had to learn, you know, I've had some really, really amazing, generous, good hearted, well intentioned people around me that have shared and taught me and been patient with me while I learn. And um, yeah, I think scaling is math. I think, you know, it's, it's a combination of math and intuition and reading the room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I think that you can have an idea, you're gonna have to learn what it's gonna cost and how you're going to forecast it and produce it and how that's gonna work in your overall budget, like all these things I didn't know about when I was sitting on a set. You know, these are all the things I've learned in scaling the business. And I think the best thing that I can say to anybody wanting to scale their business is to understand the math of it. How long? And have good credit. <laughs> didn't we just say that? I was afraid of credit cards. Yeah. Till this day. Oh, I I'm got I got in such such hairy credit bad situation. It took me years to get out of it. Me too. Yeah. That's what I do blame my mom for. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? My mother's like, I didn't, didn't know this. <laughs> they didn't, like, I didn't know. know. Um I wanna ask, I'm not sure if this is like a very intrusive question, so feel free to like, you know. Um, how long did it take you to make your first million? Um, it's that, that's a really good question because, you know, it's so funny. People that don't know are very confident in throwing numbers out, right? They're mm -hmm. like, oh, in your fourth year, you should be making a million. I'm like, really? Okay. I like, didn't who even, said that? Who, I didn't who, even who? take a check for the first eight years. That's why I was still working as a makeup artist. I was putting everything back into the business. Yeah. Um, I would say... When you say that, do you mean like my first million in sales or me making a million? Well, actually now both. Yeah. So they're not equal. Right. Um, You're right. They're, yeah, not. they're not equal. Uh, probably about 10 years into the business. Wow. Yeah. About 10 years into the business. They always say your first million is like the <clears throat> hardest thing to make. And then after that is just like maintaining and just kind of making sure it grows. Who do are you, they? 
I don't know. I feel like I've, I'm reading this <laughs> in social media. Uh, who are they? I always want to know who they, they are. Know, Monica who are used they? to say that. Monica used to be like, who's they? Who are who's they? they? I need to meet them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they say. Yeah. That your first million dollars is the hardest to make. I'm sure it is for some of them. For them. <laughs> for you them. know, but then seriously, look at some of these influencers now that just make so much money. And, you know, I, I'm not an influencer. I can't make a judgment on how easy it is for them to make that money. But they, the, the speed in which they can make the money is very quick. Right. You know, like it, they're not if, – if an influencer had to wait 10 years to make a million they dollars, they wouldn't be an influencer. Yeah, they yeah. Would. It would, they would be like, this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> you know? How how important is uh, that collaboration between influencers and Beauty Blender and that partnership? And I guess who, also two-part question, but who like kind of surplused your business in terms of influencer? Um, well, first of all, influencers are very influential. Right. Right? They're very important. Like period, exactly. Yeah, period. Yeah. They're very, they, you know, they inform the masses about you. Mm -hmm. Now they can inform good things. They can inform bad things. They can inform very neutral, lukewarm things too. They can inform about you while they mention 10 other things at the same time. So, you know, I would say your relationship meaning your product, not me, not my Rian Silva relationship, but your, your product's relationship with whoever is showing it is the most important relationship and has to be the purest because the, an influencer is only influencing if people really believe that they like that product, right? Mm -hmm. I think when people think that someone's really just getting paid and they're like calling it in, I think we know that, right. you know, so... It's super important. Mm -hmm. It's super important. And um, what was the other question like about that? Like um, I, I have a I have a marketing you know you, team yeah. and social media, and we go over planning, and we know what we're launching, and we know um, we know who we know who loves us. Mm -hmm. We know who doesn't love us. We know you know our job is to to try to make, you know, the people that don't love us, I'm like that annoying person. Like, you really don't love me? Like, why don't you love me? I'm so great. Like, you come love me. Yeah, like, yeah. let me show you how great I am, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not that person that if you don't like Beauty Blender, I'm just going to be like, well, you're not a Beauty Blender person. No, I'm going to no, convince you're you. you're trying to find out why. Yeah. I'm going to show you why you need mm -hmm. to love me. Yeah. I love that. Um, what do you hope people take away from this interview? Well, God, I hope they take away that I'm Latina. We haven't even talked about that. <laughs> We're gonna, you know what? It's so crazy, but like, it's so funny because people come on the show and some, there's a few guests that get so scared because maybe they're Latina, but they don't really identify because maybe they were adopted or they didn't grow, or they grew up with one side of the family, not the other I side. I all that in me too. Like, you know? I'm, am I Latina enough? I don't know. Right. You know, but and I'm I am, always like, I'm, there's I'm, so much more to this interview than just being a Latina. Obviously, being a Latina is why we're here, right? But then also, like, highlighting all the wonderful things that we're doing. I mean, 
I mean, and as that pertains to my career, the advantage of being Latina in the beauty industry is tremendous. And for me, especially at the time, when you talk about timing, um, you know, the the budgets weren't robust mm-hmm. for people of color, right? The same that they were for, let's just be honest, call it what it is, white projects, right? Mm-hmm. And so me looking the way I am, that question, what are you? I always knew was kind of like, where do I put you? Do I put you with the white projects? Do I put you with the ethnic projects? Like Silva, what is right. that? Is Silva, that doesn't sound like Mexican and doesn't really sound Irish. Like, what are you, right? So when people are confused about you, it's power, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when they don't know what you are or who you are, then you can like make them believe anything about you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for me, being Latina was a superpower for me because, you know, I'm just going to call it what it is. Like I had one black actress tell me, you know, it was unfortunate that I was hired because I wasn't a black woman. Mm. And that she was going to make sure I was fired so that they would hire a black woman. But I'm like, I'm Mexican. I'm not white. Right. Like, you know, I'm I'm not black enough. I'm not white enough. I'm kind of just in this weird area of right. what are you? And but for me and the timing of it, it was so amazing for me because I was able to learn so much about complexion mm-hmm. as a Latina, as knowing like my mom never wore makeup. But I had an Aunt Betty who mm-hmm. like wore 57,000 pounds of makeup and four <laughs> pairs of eyelashes. And her husband never saw her without makeup. And the whole time they were married, like she would wake up four hours before him and be in the bathroom putting yeah. her wigs on and her ma- And like I would see this woman and just be mesmerized by her face. Right. And that was my awareness. And like, you know, being Latina and, and not having the, a complexion that was easy to match and learning how to just mix colors for my clients was such the benefit and the expertise that I use every day now when I create complexion products. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a benefit. Like I wouldn't have had that experience Mm. to say it. A lot of the right white makeup artists that, you know, are wonderful and amazing and have great careers. They didn't get that same amazing experience that I got Mm -hmm. in the same way. You know, it's trendy now to, Right, right. People of color, but it wasn't back then. Yeah. Yeah. And how important is like representation in terms of like, and I guess just kind of lightly touching on like collaboration and who you decide to partner with in that sense. Oh my God. Like how important important is that? And how, like, do you feel like you have to, when you're in these rooms, because you're in different types of rooms, like, let's just be honest, but do you feel like you have to fight for us? Not so much anymore. Okay. It's getting better. Okay. For me, I think it is. Okay. My my experience is that it's getting better now. You can have someone else here that says it sucks. I don't know. But for me, I see that there is an openness, an interest, and an actual movement to support mm. more than ever. And when you ask about my collaborations, it's absolutely important to me to represent who I am as a Latina in my collaborations. I love that. Yeah. You know, I, I could go. I could go on this interview forever, but I'm pretty sure everyone's looking at me like, "Girl, there's a time limit." Um, but I do okay. want to. Hey, if you got the time, <laughs> um, I do want to ask some rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay. Tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. I always have hot sauce. 
Really? Okay. Mm. I like that. I always like, yeah, I put hot sauce I on always everything. have hot sauce. I and put I hot always sauce need hot sauce. everything. Me too. And growing up, I never liked hot sauce. Tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. Uh, I take pride in the way I look. Very. I, I mean, every Latina I know does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but how do you say that without saying it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> by the way, you look like, well, like, I don't know what fountain of youth you're drinking from, but. Oh, you're so sweet. Give the tips, girl. Oh. Give the tips. Genetics, I think. Is it? I think, yeah. I think I always, that... I don't know why my brain always is, I'm always wanting to ask, well, does she drink? You know, because some people that oh don't God, drink. I'm they're... leaving here and having tequila. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, tequila. Okay. Tell me you're tell me your Latino without telling you you're Latino. I drink reposado every night. No, I do. I, I, I don't know. My dad looked really young. He died at 88. And when he died, he, he finally aged because he was sick. But he used to pride himself. I'm like, nobody can guess my age. And I used to just roll my eyes. I'm like, you're so annoying. <laughs> you know? And he was because my parents, my parents divorced um, when I was about 17 years old. And that was kind of what started me in the odyssey of like going to school and living, going like living my life like I lived. But, um, but he, he used to live in this area called Marina del Rey out in California near Santa Monica. And I would just cringe because sometimes I would go to a bar and my dad would walk in. No way. And then he would come over and put his arm around me, like mm -hmm. like he was hanging out in the club, right? right? And he would come and put his hand or his arm around me and we didn't look alike at all. So people thought that was your man? They thought this so, old man was like getting handsy with me or something. They thought you like, had a shit your daddy dad. or something? <laughs> That's my dad. Oh my God, because oh he, he looked really young. And, and um, my mom, even, she's 87 now. I mean, she looks amazing. She does Pilates three days a week. She's had... My dream. She has two new knees, two new hips, but she's still going, she driving. Really, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just energetic, youthful people. I love that. I mean, I'll do some Botox. Girl, I will do some I, Botox. That's my birthday present this year to myself is Botox. Yeah, I'll do some Botox. I mean, really, then I'm like, I'm a puss. I keep threatening everybody. I'm gonna get a facelift, but I would never do. I'm so freaking afraid. No, I, I actually would do a facelift. You would? Yes, yes. Oh if gravity starts to take over, absolutely. Well, it is for me, and I'm like, I'm too scared. No, you're fine. Okay, thank you're you. Fine. <laughs> um, what's your favorite Spanish food? Oh my God. Well, it's Mexican food. Okay. And I love my mom's enchiladas. Ooh. I love our tamales. We, I love our crispy tacos. You can't find a crispy taco anymore anywhere. Why? I don't know. I don't they know. They're I'm all like, soft. Where do they go? They're all soft tortillas, which they're nice. But my, like, I grew up, me and my brother would have taco eating contests. Like, I love that was crispy thing tacos. In your home? Oh my God. Really? And <laughs> eating chilies. My grandfather, I think he used to kind of like to torture us. Yeah. And he would never talk. He was very quiet. Like, Popo, he only said a few words. But. But he would have a jar of chilies, and he would just, like, give me one, give my brother one, and we'd eat it. He'd eat his, mm -hmm. and he, he wouldn't, like... With a straight face. Straight face. So we wow. would bite it, and then he would just watch us, like, cry and be oh like, Oh, my ah. God. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Um, that's that actually kind of cruel. Um, oh, okay. What's one thing you need in the morning? Coffee. <laughs> me too. I mean, I don't even need to think about that. Like, I... 
need my cafecito and my milk and Splenda. And don't try to control my Splenda intake, people. Okay? <laughs> there are restaurants that will not give you Splenda. Why? I don't know. I don't understand it. Like, no, like you're in New York. In New York? You're in New York. Seriously? And they'll be like, no, we only have Stevia. And I'm like, like, what the fuck Stevia? is that? You need my Splenda. I don't want Stevia. That tastes nasty. <laughs> um, if you had an opportunity to do The Last Supper with three Latinas, mm. who would it be? Dead or alive? Uh, God, that's a really good question. Maybe Celia Cruz. <gasps> Love yeah. her. You know, and this is a funny one because we travel in some of the same circles, but I've never met Eva Longoria. But I just uh, listened to her podcast on Making Space with Dr. Kotpi. And I really relate to her so much. So I would love to meet her. Mm-hmm. Mm. You got one more. I know. Who? Who is my third? Um, okay, this is going to sound weird. But I, when I read her story, too, and, and she, Linda Ronstadt. Did you know that she was Mexican? No. Do you know who Linda Ronstadt yes, is? Yes, but I had no idea. Exactly. How I, did I not know this? And I and now she's lost her voice. She can't sing anymore. Like this whole story about her is really wow. amazing. Like her journey. I would really like to talk to her too because she came up at a time in music where, you know, like she, they, it just didn't exist. And she was like one of, like Raquel Welch too, like, you yes. know, one of these women that kind of had to switch her identity a little mm-hmm, bit mm-hmm. To, to succeed. Um, but I, I really, I grew up um, very early on listening to her music in California and loving her. I would probably really love to talk to her too. I mean, these are, mm-hmm. you're catching me off guard. I know there's more. I want to think about other ones, but those, okay. those are the three. Okay. Um, what is this chapter of your life called? Ah, reckoning. Mm. Reckoning. I've been doing a lot of thinking about how I was raised and the things that I didn't realize mm. and how those those early things are part of the pattern that you carry on through the rest of your life, you know? Yeah, reckoning. I've been th- doing a lot of thinking about my childhood. Really? Yeah. Damn, I want to dive deeper yeah. in that. Um, last one. Mm. Finish this sentence. Growing up Latina is? Growing up Latina is like being an entity of the world. Because I will tell you that when I very early in my young adulthood uh, started to travel outside of the U.S., I started to have so much pride in being Latina. It was here that it was kind of like, oh, you're Mexican, oh, you're a wetback, or Mm -hmm. like it's so many like derogatory negative things Mm -hmm. that were said about me or my family or where we were from because we weren't, we were in these white communities, right? Mm When I traveled outside of the world, it was like being Latina and being global was just so beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it was great. You're great. 
And really want to thank you oh, for coming on the show. I feel like so many gems were dropped. Really? Yes. I hope so. I don't know. Yes. Yes. You're amazing. We love you. If you feel like, oh my God, who lo we love you. <laughs> if you ever wake up and you're like, I don't know, please do it. Continue for us. Yeah. Because we're here. We're supporting you. We're rooting for you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Like you don't even need to do interviews in your career anymore. And you sat on the show. So thank you. Because your time is precious. Like, let's be honest. You're like I hope I can give back in some way. Yeah. So. And we and we appreciate that. Um, I guess like my where I want to end it with is uh, <clears throat> what is the next step? What is the future of Beauty Blender? And where is that going next? Well, like I said, I'm still here. And I'm going to be here for a couple more years for sure. That's um, a sure thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, listen. I think about my grandchild, Irie, and I think about what is the world going to be like when she has kids and what is she going to, what are the stories she's going to be able to tell? She's going to have a, a big story between me, her mom, her grandfather, football player, and, and just the, the family we have. I just, you know, I know that she'll be able to go online or whatever it is then and, you know, pull up me and Beauty Blender in the Smithsonian and it's going to live there forever for the rest of my family. So whatever happens with it, I just, you know, I, I hope it can continue to go on and, you know, continue to be an amazing uh, product for people in the beauty industry. But if it all ended tomorrow, I know that it's there. And so I don't know. I don't know what the future. If I had a crystal ball, I could tell you. I don't know. <laughs> well, but I know what's there now, and I'm grateful. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, tell everyone. Well, I don't know if you like people following your personal social media, but you can drop it here if you like. It's just Rianne Silva. I have like 27,000 followers. I don't have very many. Beauty Blender has like almost 4 million, but yes. I, that's, that's her, not me. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for coming and having me. Thank you for being patient with me. No, of Are you kidding me? Of course. Anytime. Thanks again. Rianne Silva, everybody. Boop, boop.